Thanks for listening to the Best of the Doug Gottlieb Show podcast. Be sure to catch us live every weekday from 3 to 6 p.m. Eastern Time. That's 12 to 3 Pacific on Fox Sports Radio. Find your local station for the Doug Gottlieb Show at foxsportsradio.com or stream us live every day on the iHeartRadio app by searching FSR. This is the best of the Doug Gottlieb Show on Fox Sports Radio. What up, Doug Gottlieb Show? Fox Sports Radio. Hope you're having a great day. The Doug Gottlieb Show comes to you live and direct from sunny Southern California. Welcome in. Hope you're great. Man, what a beautiful day. We got rain yesterday, which means snow in the mountains. That make for a couple of beautiful days in, in Southern California. Check out the latest lines, World of Sports, Bet Rivers Sportsbook, Bet Rivers, the most trusted name in online sports betting. You must be 21. President in Illinois, Indiana, or Pennsylvania to play, uh, as well as Colorado and other states. Gambling problem call 1 800 Gambler. Ding dong, the witch is dead. Witch, oh, witch, the wicked witch. Ding dong, the wicked witch is dead. I, I say that because uh, the often discussed. Openly by me despised overtime rule of the past, oh, how many years has it been? Uh, about decade uh, is is no more. And you're like, wait, 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 what? What? What happened? Okay, so if you've been listening, Dan Beyer gave you a very clear, very clear understanding. This is a postseason only amendment to the overtime rule. Okay. Postseason amendment to the overtime rule, um, where now both teams have to get the football regardless of what the team does on the opening drive, which changes the math dramatically. And to anyone who says you can't do something in the postseason that you don't do in the regular season, well, that's not true. Didn't work that way in baseball, putting a runner at second base. Uh, doesn't work that way in hockey where they go three on three with a, with a goalie in regular in in the regular season and the overtime rules are different in the postseason. So it can be done. But I I <laughs> I do think that uh the rule that they'll use in the regular season, the rule that they've been using in the playoffs for the past decade or so is among the worst rules in the history of sports. And you may ask yourself, "Wait a second, Doug, wasn't that put into correct the sudden death rule. And my answer is yes. You're like, well, so the sudden death rule must be even worse. No. Here's why. Okay. Um, when you have the sudden death rule, very easy and definitive, hey, if you want to win the game, keep them from scoring or score yourself. First team to score wins the game. The problem with the now regular season and and previous last 10 years rule was that overtime was sudden death unless it wasn't. You had to score, but it had to be a touchdown. It was one of those rules, and we see it often now in society where we try and please everybody. And you know what happens when you try and please everybody? You don't please anybody. I'll, I'll give you a parallel to something else that's going on right now. The NCAA tournament. So the NCAA tournament had the first four. And the first four, the true idea of the first four is, should be, okay? Uh, 
middle-of-the-road high major versus regular season league champion mid-major. In other words, pick out the or you know, pick out the at large from the smaller conference ho- however you would like. You know, if you want to go through and you say uh let's pick out I don't know, let's say Murray State didn't win their conference tournament championship or St. Mary's or Santa San Francisco. Instead of those schools playing each other, instead of them playing each other, they would always play against you know, last year UCLA, this year, you know, or Michigan State was also last year, right? That's the intent of it. Should have been to settle, at the end of the day, the last couple teams in the bracket, we always argue, and it's an impossible argument because the teams don't actually play like schedules. They're not actually like budgeted. And all you're trying to figure out is who's better, right? Is Vir- well, Virginia Tech won the ACC tournament. So, um, you know... Pick school that's in the Michigan, you know, when, when a Michigan faced or Indiana faced Wyoming. Wyoming's not a mid major, but the Mountain West is not viewed on the level of the Power Five conference. That's a perfect matchup. That's what all four of those games should be. But what ends up happening is there's two 16 versus 16 last team in that part of the field, and then there's two first four games, which is like the bracket buster games. And, oh, yeah, by the way, because we have to keep all the rules fair and equal, whatever, you might have mid-major versus mid-major. You might have – it's just based upon the actual seeding. In other words, in an effort to keep everybody happy, those games are just – every once in a while, they're good. Most times, they're eh. But what you should have is this ability to, at the end of the day, settle the argument on the floor. Middle of the pack, Big 12, Big 10, ACC team versus – regular season league champion, Ohio Valley Conference, or the second best team in the A-10, the, uh, or in the the Big West regular season champion, or WAC, it's one of those. That's what, the, that's what that should be. So the reason I think the rule is bad is it's not definitive. It's not football where you just play a play based upon time and score and, and, and uh, wh- where your field position is. And it's not sudden death. It's trying to please everybody, and it pleased nobody. Because we still had sudden death, and the rule was put in place to essentially eliminate sudden death, but it didn't eliminate sudden death. It eliminated sudden death unless you score a touchdown. What's weird, though, is that if we look at sports now, and we have our complaints still about rules, right? Probably the most uh, overly harsh rule is still remaining in football is... If you have the ball and you fumble it out the end zone before you break the plane with control, you lose possession of the football and the other team gets it at the 20, that, that seems like a completely inequitable rule. It, it feels like if you should get one or the other, right? You should either get a turnover or the ball should be pushed back to the 20, but to get both, that, 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 that doesn't seem. But it hasn't yet been corrected. I feel like that's the dumbest rule remaining in sports. But I was thinking about this today. It's Doug Gottlieb show here on Fox Sports Radio. We're discussing the fact that the overtime rules for the NFL have changed for the postseason, not for the regular season. If you think about it today, though, there are lots of rules which are now, uh, you would look back at them and you would go, I cannot believe that was an actual rule. 
It's like, did you guys know that in society, I think it was illegal for interracial marriage until 1967? Like, could, could, could you actually conceptualize that? <laughs> that we made it illegal in the 60s, early 60s, mid-60s? For two people who are in love, they just had different skin colors, different races. They couldn't be legally married. Like, that's the dumbest thing I've ever heard. It's it's equally dumb to have uh, billion-dollar sporting events like the Super Bowl decided by sudden death unless it's not. Both teams get the football unless they don't. Points matter unless they're field goals. Did you guys know in the NBA they used to have a free throw rule where you would get to shoot three, you'd get to shoot three to make two. So if you make your first two, other teams' ball going the other way. But if you miss one, you get a third one just in case. That's a bizarre rule. If you guys remember, there there used to be a FIBA rule, okay, where you didn't have to, didn't have to, the ref didn't have to touch the ball. So oftentimes the ball would go out of bounds and our guys would be trotting back on defense and they'd just get it from anywhere and throw it down the court and go lay it in. I kind of like that rule, but it was one of the officials actually doing there. There are lots of rules which have changed sports mostly for the better. And the rules that are left in, their, in the wake, you, you can't believe. There used to be a rule in college basketball you couldn't dunk it. Could not dunk the basketball. Couldn't dunk it. Uh, Byer, what's the, what, what can you think of just off the top of your head? Rule that we used to have in a sport, any sport that is now gone, that we'd look back and go, I cannot believe that was actually a rule. Yes, and, and it actually was put in place, and it was so awful that they immediately changed it. It was about, I know it was 16 years ago because I know what happened in 2006 when college football games were trying to be sped up. They allowed the clock to run after the kickoff. So 40 seconds, you would kick off, and if you took a touchback, the game clock would start to run. And I remember this because Ohio State and Michigan played in the game of the century at that point uh, when it was one versus two, and Michigan scored a late touchdown and got within three with two minutes and 16 seconds left on the clock. And they kicked off. And then Ohio State was basically able to run out the clock because Michigan had no timeouts with two minutes left because 40 of those seconds came off between the kickoff and the first down play. And it was because college football games were taking so long, taking like four hours. They're like, let's try to speed this up. And it was so bad that they ended up changing it. And now the clock stops after the kickoff when the offense takes the field. That is awful. I honestly... Don't I don't think I remember. Yeah. I remember them trying to speed it up. I yeah. didn't remember that it was on kickoffs. But and and what Dan's talking about is in the in early two thousands, late nineties, early two thousand. All of a sudden, the spread offense, the proliferation of the spread offense, and these games started to become four and a half, five hours long because the clock would stop. Clock stops more in college football than it does in pro football. There's different times in pro football, different windows where even when an incomplete pass or you step out of bounds, it starts running again. Like people don't pay attention to all those little things. But in college football, it was getting so long that they had to, and that's yeah. why they tried to run the, run, run the clock more. And they found a little bit more of a happy medium, although those games are still, still especially now with the reviews, incredibly, incredibly long. Uh, Jay Stu, do you have a rule that is now gone, gone the way of the dodo? 
That was a good one by Dan. I I didn't even yeah. know that happened. I didn't it's know good. there was a problem with the length of games. With yes. The speed. And yes. That, 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 that's, it's like an unspoken thing here that, that everybody thinks – that uh, TV companies want these games to be longer and longer and longer because they have more ads. That's not actually the case. They want them. They, they have a window for them. They want the, they want them decided within that window. College basketball two hours, right? Uh, football is three hours. And yeah. when they start to get too long and bleed into other windows, that's when it get that's when it gets bad. You you can run a little bit long. You can't be running a half hour, hour long to where they get jam packed because all those ads are sold for the next show or the next game. Amazing. I, I think about uh, Bob Cousy for whatever reason. I think about there being a time when there just was ne- there was never a shot clock. Um, I, I might be foggy on the details, but that just means that you could dribble in the backcourt for 18 minutes until your team wins. Is, well, we still we still case? see we still see it. <laughs> we still see it in some high schools. Some high schools um, uh, still don't have shot clocks. Okay, and um, most of them, and it's awful. Just holding the basketball is so bad. Uh, the NBA has had the 24-second shot clock since 1954. FIBA introduced the 30-second shot clock in 56 and switched in, uh, in uh, 2000 to the 24 seconds. So, yeah. And college but, had what? The 45-second clock, and they would just go four corners or what have you. Yes. And it's... It's, it's been taken and, down. And since. now on the there rebound, used be, there used to be no, there used to be no shot clock. Dean Smith, I mean, remember he used to hold the ball go four corners. Anyway, go ahead. When they when they did have the forty five second shot clock, it's only until recently now with the uh, the thirty second shot clock that they reset to twenty on an offensive rebound, but it would reset back to forty five. So if you get an offensive rebound, you could take ninety seconds off the clock if you worked it down from forty five, got the rebound, kicked it back out, and then worked another forty five off. Man, 45 was a long time. <laughs> Just horrible for the game, the flow, the uh, the experience of the viewer. <laughs> Just awful. I don't you know. know. Here, here's, here's one. Did, did you know that women's basketball in high schools used to be six on six? No. Did you know that? Bu- no, Buyer, I, no. Buyer can speak to this. You didn't know that, I, I Well, I thought that it was just maybe certain leagues but uh, or certain schools but not, i don't know it not started. all n- not all n- not all but uh-huh. like uh state of iowa i think was the last one is that 3 on one end and 3 on the other correct it's 3 on 3 you can't cross over half court so there were three people on the court that would literally never get to play offense <laughs> and there were three people on the court that would literally never get to play defense yeah that's not basketball that's you're, something you're got- else your your guy's mind was just blown. I, I, I didn't know you guys didn't know that. No idea. I, I knew the setup. I, I didn't think that it was uh, – and you said Iowa, and I, that actually you know, rang a bell. But when you say six on six, people think it's also that there's six players on all you know on one side of the court. But no, they had it split. Oklahoma was the last, last state to eliminate it. It was in 1995. And Iowa is 1993. Is that because of numbers? Or was it just? Uh, I why was it invented? Uh, yeah, I don't know. It's a gr- it's a great question. College basketball know. seems to have the maybe like the quirkiest. You know, yeah, because we were talking about forty five second shot clocks and 
Yeah, well, they've, they, they've, I would say college basketball has done the, probably the best job of adjusting and trying things. Like, right? Like, they, people forget there used to be the ACC had the first three point line, the ACC and the, uh, the yeah. PCAA had the first three point lines yep. in college basketball. But the ACC's three point line was actually closer than the top of the key. And during Mark Price's freshman year at Georgia Tech, he led the ACC in scoring as a true freshman. And there was a, was a revolt against the three-point line, and they took it out like the next year. And then the following year, the NCAA put it back in, you know, for the entire – for all of college basketball. And then he was back to being a prolific scorer. Remember it really when, happened. when the Big East went to six fouls? I do. I remember that, yes. Yeah. Because it's just tougher in the Big East. It's just better. No, they're just tougher. <laughs> they're just tougher. They're absolutely tougher. And then in the tournament, they went back to five. Yes, <laughs> that's cool. You 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 get used to a certain thing and a certain pace and coaching, and then you just got to change everything for the tournament. Yeah, but it didn't hurt that time. At that, that time, I think the Big East was really good. Um, obviously, part of it was they had really good players. Real credit card questions will require real people. That is a hard one. Real credit card questions. Ooh, Ramos, you try it. Okay, r- repeat after me. Real credit card questions. Oh, Iowa hey, Sam. Hey, Doug. Sorry. Oh, let yeah, me give I'm it sorry. a try. Nice, <laughs> Iowa Sam. All right, ready, Iowa Sam? Uh, real re- credit card questions. I can't do it. It's hard, right? Stu, you want to take a shot at it? Just that first sentence. Yeah, and I, I'm going to do it in my voice or a voice. Uh, okay. Real credit card questions. That was that was a now, real now, try. Okay. That was an so, no. You got to do the whole thing. Try. Real credit card questions require real people. Who wrote this? Wow. Somebody's somebody's messing with me. Who's messing with me with this thing? Okay, go go ahead. You try. Real credit card questions require real people. Try. It. Real credit card questions require real people. Dan Buyer, would you like to try? Real credit card questions require real people. Oh, nailed it. Damn it, he's better than me. Well, I have to read it every day. Buyer. Real credit card question. I understand, but can you imagine Daffy Duck reading this thing? Fox Sports Radio has the best sports talk lineup in the nation. Catch all of our shows at foxsportsradio.com and within the iHeartRadio app. He's the head coach of the Villanova Wildcats who, you know, two years ago when things were shut down because of COVID, they'd won seven of eight getting ready for the Big East tournament. So the, the thought was they could make another Final Four run. Last year, Colin Gillespie, their point guard, hurt his knee. And so they didn't have him eliminated early in the NCAA tournament. This year, back to the Final Four, but they sustained a really tough loss with Justin Moore, who tore his Achilles tendon. He's, he's Jay Wright. He's head coach of the Wildcats. He joins us for a short period of time on the Doug Gottlieb Show. Coach, how are you? Doug, how you doing, buddy? I'm, I'm good. Um, this is called the Blue Blood Final Four. Um, do you feel like Villanova is now a Blue Blood? You know, I never, I never really got into that, Doug, but I love when people count us. I know what Kentucky, you know, Duke, Carolina, Kansas, I know what they are. So when they count us with those guys, I take it, man. I love it. How do you balance out the emotions of going to the Final Four but Justin getting hurt? It was really strange um, after our game against Houston because it was a a really hard-fought battle, a great win, but we it, it was weird. We couldn't really, you know, we weren't in the locker room jumping around or anything. We, 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 were, we were very um, proud. We, we were very happy about moving forward, but it, there, there was there – was, it was tainted. We, we felt so bad for Justin, and 
and and I think we've gotten over it. We're practice today. You know, we're excited about moving forward with who we have. But those couple days there, knowing that we didn't have him, knowing how good he is and how much a part of our success he is, it was, it's been a strange couple days. I've tried to tell people about your culture, and you were really nice and allow me to watch you guys work out before the UCLA game. But that, I, have you always been that way? Have you? Has there always been the 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 limited the words that you know all the guys talking about attitude to each other? It does feel like there's been a transformation over the past seven or eight years to this place. When did it change? Did was it always this way, or did it change at some point to where you had these this certain way of a team operating? We've always tried to do it, Doug. Even even back to our Hofstra days, where we played against you. Um, but it, it, it builds when it builds when the players pass it on to each other, and it's not coming from the coaches. Like every once in a while, you can get you can get a year maybe when you have a lot of young guys on the team, and it's it's not as strong. But then you have a year like this year where we have like four freshmen, but a lot of older guys that that really demand of each other that that they stick to our core values and that really makes it strong when when you have those guys demanding of each other last thing we got about 30 seconds uh you guys lose justin moore it's hard to prepare for you because you'll play different how hard is it to prepare for kansas because remy martin wasn't a huge part of what they did most of the season now he is what's that like for the national semifinals it's always interesting when you're in a tournament, Doug, because like similar to Houston, you know, um, they they had Fabian White was like their leading guy all year, but once they got to the tournament, Sheed and Edwards were, were really lighting it up. So if you look at their stats over the season, you would say Fabian White leading scorer, go-to guy, but if you look at how they played in the tournament, those guards were really good. Yeah, and, no, it's it. And, that happens with Kansas, you know. It's it's like you know all the good players, but Remy Martin has, is on fire, and you got to prepare for him. Hey, Jay, can't wait to see you in New Orleans. Safe travels. Really appreciate watching your team, and thanks for joining us. Thanks, buddy. Take care. All right, that's, that's Jay Wright joining us on the Doug Gottlieb Show. And you should download it because Michael Lombardi's on it, and he's awesome. He spent most of his professional life in front offices with – uh, the Niners, I mean, you go back to his book and you read about Bill Walsh and the Niners driving his red Porsche in San Francisco, and you go to Bill Belichick, who he's worked for, and so many in between. Uh, Michael Lombardi joins us. Michael, the news of the day is the NFL has sort of changed the overtime rule only for the playoffs. Um, I, I just – let me quickly get your thoughts on how how they went about it and the actual rule change itself. You know, I, I think obviously the NFL is reacting to the public perception and all that. Uh, my sense of it is is that uh, I didn't think there was anything wrong with the overtime rules. I mean, it didn't affect Cincinnati. They got the they they watched Patrick Mahomes throw three of his worst passes of his probably his NFL career, and got the ball back on the overtime, and and they were able to drive it down the field. So. You know, the teams that complain that don't get the ball, I mean, we all watched the Lions play the Steelers in a, in a game that went to overtime and stayed in overtime, and nobody won. I think it's kind of wrong to react to a situation. I mean, if Buffalo manages 13 seconds, I mean, really, if they just manage 13 seconds, they're not going to have to worry about overtime. 
I, look, I agree with you that the Buffalo thing, they completely mismanaged 13 seconds. They, they butchered it 15 times over. But, but the rule is so bad in that, okay, if you don't like sudden death, I had no problem with sudden death, but if you don't like sudden death, that's fine. Then put time on the clock. Right? But it felt like it was one of those rules where they tried to make everybody happy. You still had elements of sudden, sudden death. You still had an element of both teams could get it back. Uh, the shortened time allowed time to become a bigger factor. But when you try and please everyone, no one's happy. Uh, I, I actually I don't mind it if they get, get back. Why not just put, especially in, in the playoffs, why not just put 10 minutes on the clock and whoever has the lead at the end of 10 minutes gets the, gets the game? Well, I mean, you know, to me, the league talks to the both sides of their mouth, Doug. They talk about player safety. They talk about we don't want to go to 17 games, and now we're adding another quarter to a game. You know? Like, at some point, when does player safety come into the overtime? Players, you know, you were a former player. You tend to get hurt when you're tired. You tend to have more injuries sustained when, when you're exhausted. And if you keep extending the games into overtime, that propensity for injury increases. So to me, you can't say you want to protect players and you want to do everything within player safety and we're going to 17 games. To me, I've said this all along about 17 games. I think a player should have a certain number for 16 games. Let's say not the quarterback position, but let's say any other position. He plays 1,000 plays in, in 16 games. Then when you go to 17 games, that's how many plays he should play. And the coaches yes. have to substitute accordingly. It's the same yes. thing with overtime. Why are we going to add more time and get players injured? To decide a championship? Well, I think it's important in a championship. I mean, we're going to have to keep going there. But for a regular season game, do we have to keep going? No, I mean, no, no not for the time. regular season. No, no, the postseason, they, they, the regular season, they left it the same. They left right, the I know that. The but I'm saying, I mean, George Hallis had 46 ties in his career. I mean, ties aren't bad, you know. So now in a championship game, we got to keep playing. I don't think we should have changed the rules in overtime in, in, in a championship. I think we should. Whoever scores first wins. I think that's the way it is. Let's and then, go to. Then, then, I, I, I agree with plays you. In. I, I agree with you. I don't know how we got to this place to where it's unfair. Like it's perfectly. We listen to Twitter. They listen to Twitter. They listen right, to the but, social media. But that, that's that was, what they did. Right, but and that's the problem though with the this the rule which is still regular C, which is. It's sudden death unless it's not scoring matters, unless it's not enough points. The whole thing is is a mess. They tried to rectify it today. Let's let's get to the moves in the league. Um, Deshaun Watson, two hundred and fifty some odd million guaranteed, 40. guaranteed, um, and it's basically a guaranteed contract to a dude who hadn't played for a year, probably going to miss some times this year, tore his ACL twice. And they're still under contract uh, for the for the time being with Baker Mayfield. What do you think of what Cleveland decided to do? Well, first of all, I wrote about it on Beeson.com. I, I think what you when you read what I wrote is they gave a historical contract to a player that didn't deserve a historical contract based on his conduct the last two years or the last year and a half. Let's say you know first of all, this is the first NBA contract to ever reach the NFL because of the because of the funding rules in the NFL. The NFL never had had buttoned-up contracts, fully guaranteed for skill and injury and salary cap. Those three factors. This contract is fully buttoned up, which means the the Browns are going to have to fund this contract because the rule goes back to the 60s when Pete Rozelle was the commissioner. And NFL teams were worried about, were worried about foreclosing on their team. We're worried about going bankrupt. 
So the league office mandated that in future years' contract, if you guarantee any money for skill and injury, you have to send that money to the league office a year before it's supposed to be due. Nobody wanted to do it. It was ridiculous. You present value of the money. It was stupid. So nobody did it. And that was an excuse you gave to all the agents on why you couldn't do skill and injury guarantees. You could still do injury guarantees. You just didn't want to do them both. This contract has now entered into the arena of doing both. And I think it's a dangerous precedent that's been set for a player that didn't deserve a precedent to be set for. If they would have done it for Aaron Rodgers, if they would have done it for anybody else who at least has followed suit in terms of the, the league and didn't have conduct off the field, people can argue about Rodgers. He's, he's behaved himself. Uh, so the reality of it is, is I think it's wrong for, the, for Watson and for the other quarterbacks. I mean, Russell Wilson will get his contract redone soon, and I'm sure Russell Wilson's contract will look a lot like this Watson contract. Uh, how good will the Browns be when he plays? Well, I think the Browns will be really good. I mean, look, it, it's the perfect offense for Deshaun Watson to come into. It's the same thing I've been saying about the Lamar Jackson and the, and the Baltimore Ravens. I mean, you've got to put him in an offense where it's play-action pass, you utilize his skill as a runner, and then when it's a drop-back pass, he can really function well. The problem they have with Baker Mayfield is every time it became a drop-back pass game, he struggled. Baker's short. He's six feet tall, maybe less. He gets too many balls batted down, averages over six a game. When the defense gets their hands on six footballs per game, there's the propensity to have turnovers. And he overthrows a lot of balls because he can't see. He's trying to extend it, and his release becomes too high, and the ball sails off. It's an inherent problem with the six-foot quarterback. You say, well, Drew Brees was short. Drew Brees' throwing motion was completely different. Plus, Drew Brees was a world-class tennis player in high school. He understood how to slide and move in a pocket and yep. find the alleys. Yep. This kid doesn't. So he's a problem. And so they're going to be better on offense. Now, are they going to be good enough on defense? That remains to be seen. Clowney had nine and a half sacks. They haven't signed him back. Malik Jackson didn't play great, but he's a free agent. McDowell's a free agent. They got three defensive linemen that played for him last year that are free agents. They need to get that going. I think they'll address it in the draft. They have Mayfield on their cap for $18 million. That will come off once they get rid of him. They still have $26 million of cap for him. They've got ability to sign players. Um, is Matt Ryan the answer in Indy? I don't think he's the answer completely. I think Matt Ryan is part of the answer in Indianapolis. I think it'll certainly help him. I think it gives him an opportunity to uh, to uh, put the team in the best play possible. He'll be smart. And he's the opposite of what Wentz was for their team. He's a great leader. I mean, Wentz disappeared in crunch time. I, on my show, I call Wentz uh, Ricky Fowler because, you know, he'll play well when the tournament doesn't matter. You know, and then when it really matters the most – he becomes, you know, he starts throwing the ball left-handed. You know, he starts shanking the ball into the trees. And this is what Wentz did. He started to turn the ball over. I've never seen a guy who wanted to throw the ball left-handed more than Carson Wentz in all my life. And this is a guy in 17, should have been the MVP if he doesn't get hurt. And I was a huge Wentz fan. But over the last three years, he's not looked like the same. Ryan will give them stability. He'll give them leadership. He'll give them execution. He may not be as great as he once was, but I think because of Taylor and because of their team, I think he'll be effective. Michael Lombardi joins us on the Doug Gottlieb Show. Download the, the GM Shuffle if you want to know everything that's happening in the NFL and why it's happening in the, in the NFL. Uh, let's go to the Niners. They can't seem to find a taker for Garoppolo. He's coming off of shoulder surgery. They have Trey Lance. Eventually it'll be his job. Uh, how would you handle it if you were in that front office in terms of uh, Garoppolo and whether you keep him, you play him, you move him? 
Well, I think they can't afford to uh, keep them because if they want to turn the team over to Lance, Garoppolo can't be in the building because the team gravitates to Garoppolo. I mean, as much as the media criticizes Garoppolo, all the players on their team really, really like Garoppolo. And you can see them support him even when he doesn't play as well as he needs to play. And so they've got $25 million tied up in him. They're going to have to remove him. The problem they have is he's coming off a shoulder surgery. Andrew Luck was coming off a shoulder surgery, the similar one. And everybody in, in, in Indianapolis thought he was going to play that June. Well, he didn't play until the next year. Shoulder surgeries with quarterbacks are very dangerous. This is why there's no market for him right now, because there's nobody who wants to risk that shoulder taking on that cap number. The Niners have to do it. But the Niners' issue becomes how do you turn the team over to Trey Lance when Garoppolo's sitting there, when everybody on the team knows Garoppolo's a better player than Lance right now. Now, maybe down the road Lance will become better, but as of right now, Garoppolo's better, and he gives him the best chance to win. It's a tough dilemma for, for Kyle Shanahan. And this injury is the only reason he's still on the team. If he would have been healthy, he'd have been traded by now. Um, help me out with, with Tua. I haven't seen the wow plays over two years. And so the fix in Miami is let's just put all kinds of speed around him. Does right. that well, does that work? Does that make sense? Well, that's what they did last year. They had a really good receiving they had a bunch of yards after the catch. But there's no wow plays in Tua. The only wow plays in Tua is when you read people on Twitter that, that comment about how he's still a good player and, and he's going to be the next Steve Young. I mean, it just never happened. And, and, and it's really he's the only place that Tua is popular is in the media. Socially, it's not in within the league. Everybody in the league knows he's going to throw the ball short. It's all yards after the catch. And if you make him throw it over, over 15 yards, it's going to be a real issue. The other issue is watch him when it starts raining in Tennessee in a game that they were coming off an eight-game winning streak. Why, as soon as the rain starts to come down, watch him try to throw the football in inclement weather. Watch him in Buffalo two years earlier. You know, when the weather's bad, can he make throws? I think they're all concerns. I think they're legitimate concerns. But, look, they got a dynamic receiver. they got one of the best receivers in all of football. And he can turn a five-yard pass into a 50-yard touchdown instantly in Tyreek Hill. So their idea is they're going to try to keep as many guys as they can. They hire McDaniel because of his great run game ability, this right. genius run game ability, and yet they're going to throw short passes. I think it's going to be interesting to watch. But there's no more excuses for Tua. Either he's going to be really good or he's going to be the reason they don't win. Uh, um, okay, help me out with, uh, with another team. The Green Bay Packers trade away Devontae Adams. Marcus Valdez-Scantling uh, is now with the Kansas City Chiefs. That's two of their top three. There has to be a plan in place. right? And the plan can't be like, let's wait on the draft. What is the possible plan for the Packers because they're in win-now mode with Aaron Rodgers. How do they win losing Devontae Adams? I, I think that they have to say the draft. I think it's really the only thing they could possibly do. I mean, there's no free agent available. You know, I mean, maybe they trade for Devontae uh, Parker down in Miami. You know, do they like him? Do they think he could be, he could be better and, and improve their team? What's the value on him? He's got a one-year contract. Certainly the, the Dolphins are going to get rid of him. He was, a, he was a guy who was a starter for them. Now he's regulated to a backup. I mean, there's no one else out there. Will Fuller's out there, but Will Fuller stays hurt all the time, so you can't sign him. I think the only answer is going to be in the draft. I think you're going to have to draft a player and, and try to get that young player, much like Justin Jefferson went to Minnesota the year he came out, and he was very effective. Risky. Risky. Um, 
Robert Kraft came out and said he was disappointed they haven't won a playoff game in three years. But what does that what does that mean? Is there a legitimate clock on Belichick to get this thing going again? Well, I mean, it means he wants to win. Obviously, everybody does. I think if you go back and watch the Tennessee game, you know, with the game Brady was there, he threw the interception of Logan Ryan on his last pass as a Patriot. That was certainly disappointing. Then the next year, the COVID year, they didn't make it. And then, you know, they got beat by a much better team in Buffalo. I, I think they're turning the corner. They're not quite to the level that some of these other teams in the AFC. It's a, the AFC's hard. You know, when you have as much success as the Patriots had, you know, you get used to winning and you really don't become realistic of where your team is and how you're trying to develop it. I think it's certainly going to be the case. And I don't know if they can start a clock on a guy who's won six Super Bowls for your franchise. Maybe you can. I don't know. Yeah, I, I, I don't know. I don't know either. Baker Mayfield does what next year? I think he takes a pay cut, signs a two-year contract with a team. And, and tries to restore his, his career. I think he's at a crossroads. I think people see him as a play-action pass, not a, a drop-back passer. Gets too many balls tipped, like I mentioned before. And I, he's not a top-ten quarterback. Look, the reality of the situation is, Doug, he's overdrafted. He was overdrafted. He wasn't yeah. the best quarterback in that draft. Uh, no, I mean, Lamar became uh, Lamar became the best, and there were obviously others as well. What What about Lamar? Uh, I mean, like with every passing day, it's more money for him. On the other hand, like he wasn't great last year, and he got a little bit hurt. What? What is the? How, how do they get a deal done with a guy who won't answer the phone? Well, I think they just got to sit tight. I'm not sure they want to do a deal yet either. I think they want another year to look at it. But the reality here on on Lamar is simply this: until Lamar becomes more proficient at throwing the ball outside the numbers, they are going to have trouble winning in playoff games. They're going to have trouble winning when the level of comp increases. And this Raven team, for all the A's that they have accumulated through their draft grades after every single draft, they're not a talented team right now. They're struggling defensively. You know, this offensive line has kind of been in a mess. They haven't been able to hit on those receivers that they've been drafting. So Lamar, to me, is playing in the wrong system. I don't think Lamar is an RPO quarterback. If you go back and watch him play at Louisville, Bobby Petrino had him under center quite a bit. I think he's a better player under center. I think he could separate the defense. If he was in Cleveland running the Stefanski offense, I think I would sign him to a long-term deal. I think he's going to be that type of player. That being said, they don't do that. They want to run the ball out of spread. That's what Greg Roman does. And when they get behind in a game, it's no secret. When they get behind a game, they don't have a drop-back pass game. They can't throw the ball to get back in the game. It'd be interesting to see if they would ever get out of that offense. They seem completely invested in that, even though they've gotten, they've loaded up with weapons uh, to throw the football and obviously run the football well over the years. Uh, what's a daily coach? The daily coach is something the great George Radling. You know who George Radling is. He was a former head coach at USC, Washington State, and Iowa. He's the man that when Martin Luther King was walking off the stage in Washington, he asked him for the, for the I Have a Dream speech, and Dr. King handed it to him. He and I both were living in Los Angeles. We read a book uh, titled uh, The Trillion Dollar Coach about the great Bill Campbell, who was advising most of the Silicon Valley. So we just decided to start a website uh, every morning to send emails to people to, you know, talk about leadership, talk about the things that are important uh, to become a better leader. And so we call it The Daily Coach because if Bill, we read that book, if, if Steve Jobs needs a coach, everybody needs a coach. And that's what the inspiration for The Daily Coach was. Hmm. How can I get it? Just sign up. Just go to daily underscore coach dot com. And it's right there. You can sign up. It's an email. Uh, fill in your email address. It'll be in your email box every morning at seven o'clock every day. And it's it's 
it's a different type of leadership lesson, somewhere similar. Tomorrow's is going to be on the Lakers show about how Jack McKinney decided to up-tempo and what up-tempo means really in leadership. I love it. I can't wait. I'm, I'm, I'm doing it right now as we speak. Uh, Michael, thanks so much for joining us. I really appreciate Thanks, it. Thanks, Doug. Appreciate it. Thank you right, so that's much. Called, Bye-bye. That's called The Daily Coach. Remember his podcast, The GM Shuffle. Be sure to catch live editions of The Doug Gottlieb Show weekdays at 3 p.m. Eastern, noon Pacific on Fox Sports Radio and the iHeartRadio app. Doug Gottlieb Show, Fox Sports Radio. So the NFL meetings are taking place right now. There's an expectation that Trey Lance can be the starting quarterback with the Niners. Kyle Shanahan did nothing to dispel that talk when he said this about Trey Lance. That's why we looked into trading Jimmy. I mean, because we obviously believe that Trey can be a starter, and we're ready to do that. But if uh, we can't up upgrade our team in another way, we're not just going to get rid of a good quarterback because we have other quarterbacks on the roster. And uh, you always want to upgrade your team. And Jimmy's done a great job for us. We brought Trey here to be that eventually. Um, and I think that'll be sooner than later. But when Jimmy gets his surgery and we can't upgrade our team by getting some good picks until surgery, until people feel good about that, I'm all right with that. I mean, we're not just getting rid of him to get rid of him. I mean, Jimmy's a good player that we all really like as a person and as a teammate. And we're going to wait to see whatever helps the Niners the most. Uh, this is weird. You know, it. and, and to anyone who goes, well, you know, you're not just going to start Jimmy Garoppolo and then move Trey Lance in midseason. Hey, have any of you guys remember when they had Alex Smith? Remember what happened the two seasons before Colin Kaepernick uh, took the starting job? Do you guys remember that? They went to the NFC Championship game. And matter of fact, when they lost to the Saints, it wasn't Alex Smith's fault. Was it Kyle Williams? Is that I want to remember. It's, um, oh, man. Man. Was it Kyle Williams who fumbled the ball? Is there is there a punt returner, kick returner? I'm trying to trying to remember it was Kyle Williams, yeah, Kyle Williams, yep. right? Whose dad was the GM of the White Sox. All right, there you go. There's a little that 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 I remember. Do you do you remember that? Do you remember that fun fact there? I right. did. Yeah. Okay. And it was against the Giants. Uh, I thought it was against the Saints. No, it was against the Giants. The Giants went to the Super Bowl. Yeah. They had two fumbles. Yep. Then they Man. went. Yeah. And that's when they went and they beat the Patriots? Yeah, in Super Bowl 46. He even knows the numbers of the Super Bowls? What's the matter with you, Bayer? How do you know this <laughs> Well, crap? there was Super Bowl 42 when the Patriots were unbeaten. Uh, that was the one in Arizona. This was the one in Indianapolis. You're right. It was against the Giants. It was uh, 10 years ago. 10 years ago. Two muff punts. Anyway, in, 2000, in the very next year, the very next year, I... Um, Colin Kaepernick was the heir apparent, but Alex Smith was the starting quarterback. And people forget Alex Smith started against the Arizona Cardinals on Monday night and had a perfect quarterback rating. Perfect rating. The next game, he suffered concussion, never started again. So the idea is that though there's a different GM, it was Trent Baalke back then, right? Um, Those are the different GM. San Francisco has found a way to navigate this before and make it work. Is it ideal? Of course not. But 
you have Jimmy Garoppolo. He's fine. He's coming off shoulder surgery. You don't know how he's going to look. And maybe you get more return on your investment if he shows he can play a little bit. I mean, I think what they'd like to do is they'd like to do the Sam Bradford, right? Where you hold on to a guy right now, there's no value to him. Same thing with Baker Mayfield. No value to him, but you keep him around. And then the second somebody decides to not show up or somebody gets hurt or somebody's shoulder's not right or whatever, then you can maybe get above the value because whoever's shopping for a quarterback at that point in time is at the point of desperation. And they'll overpay. Tiger Woods tees it up, and did you see the line uh, on Tiger Woods, uh, the odds on Tiger Woods winning the I Masters? saw that they, they, they moved. I don't know if it was from about like 65 to 1 to 50 to 1 or something yes. like that. But you nailed yes. it. You nailed it. You, you nailed it. I mean, that seems like an insane bet, doesn't it? Sure. It's but the whole. It's funny that that much is just on whether he would play. Like people who could would still bet it in the hopes that he would play. And I mean, for a guy well, that, that that's if he'll win. I yeah. think that's if he'll win, right? Yes, yes. I mean, fifty to one to win the Masters when you haven't but, played a tournament. I, and I, I get know. that. Like, like I remember back. I hearken back. Okay, to uh, was it two thousand ten? What was the year that he had the car accident? And then a couple months later, they had, the car accident was Thanksgiving weekend. And so then you know, you're talking about uh, December, January, February, March, right? Four and yeah, a half months 2010 later. 2010 so. was, yeah, the, in April of 2010 was after he, the scandal. And he finished fourth. Yes. He finished fourth. So he was still a mess, and he found a way to finish fourth because, I mean, I would guess like blindfolded, he can find his way around that course. That is why I think that he is there because you don't need to do three or four practice rounds in advance he knows the course so well you don't have to wear yourself out monday tuesday and wednesday so that part of a preparation like if you go to a u.s open course you're going to want to be out there the week before the monday the tuesday the wednesday this probably wouldn't take as much prep Hmm. i would not lay down um (laughs) i would uh i would not i would not lay down any of my uh, of my hard-earned money, zero on Tiger Woods winning the Masters. Not because I don't love Tiger Woods, but I'm just a realist on how good those guys are and how good you have to be and the accident he suffered. I, I will tell you that I'm going to be wrong because he's going to play in a professional golf event, and I didn't think he'd ever play another one again. I just that that guy is Lazarus. Can you imagine if he wins a golf? Like, remember he came back, he won the Masters after all this stuff, after the back, after all this stuff. He won the freaking Masters. If he wins another golf event, I mean, how amazing is that? Yeah, it would be shocking. I felt that the twenty nine the twenty nineteen win was his Nicholas in eighty six. That that was the cherry on top. Okay, I'm reading this where uh, Chris Rock apparently going on tour and his his ticket prices have soared. Is that what is that what you're you're, you're saying uh, there? He's been on tour with Kevin Hart, and I guess since Sunday, uh, an example that was given to me today was that like a a ticket that cost sixty five bucks is now three hundred and sixty five dollars. Um, so I think uh, the incident on Sunday night was good for the Chris Rock business. Hmm. So you have to go see Chris Rock and Kevin Hart? I don't know. <laughs> Dude, I would know. you rather not? Would you rather I don't I just I'm not sure I'm I'm not sure I find, like Kevin Hart's stand up is not that funny to me. 
but I mean, yeah, I mean, it couldn't be it couldn't be bad, right? Wow, I got to put that out on the internet. Doug Gottlieb <laughs> says maybe it's just he's on all the time. I mean, you know, it's like uh, it's like yeah, it's like Ke- Kevin Hart ranks just below um, just below Law and Orders and Seinfeld and Friends in terms of how often I see him on my television. There is something to being looking forward to a comedy special and then the feeling of either being greatly disappointed or being uh, being fulfilled. Like there is something like you wait for a comedian because you, you like, oh my goodness, he's going to have a new special. Then you realize that you maybe only laughed at like three or four of the jokes. It's very deflating as a, as a fan. And now you know why co- comedians are under such pressure because... Yeah, they're there to make you feel better. Like you're looking forward to something, then you're like, ah, disappointed. Kind of like a new album, you know, that comes out. Uh, remember when you used to get a new album, and you'd get the cassette, and you'd like. <laughs> well, first you had high speed dubbing, right? But you had to find the right songs on that. It was like, oh god, they put the third song, and then when you finally got the CDs, and you CD the songs when you first got a CD, the the names of the songs didn't matter. Right, that that was the flaw. What happened when we had CDs was I couldn't tell you the name. Oh, you gotta listen to song eight. What about song four? We just do eight and four, then two, then go back to eleven. Okay, and then the remix is thirteen. So do that in that order. But back when you had cassettes, if the best song or the one song that the if you didn't buy the single, you buy the cassette, it would be like right in the middle of. You'd have to. Oh, uh, fast forward through a song. And then they they did invent the type of fast forward that would stop in between songs. I I want I want to know who the guy is who that's his claim to fame. You, you know how when you used to have cassette tapes and it used to stop in between songs? Yeah, yeah. I invented that. Really? Well, what else did you invent? Nothing. That's what paid for this house. That's what <laughs> I wrote a book about. <laughs> that's just, like I was just I keep going to the mailbox. People use cassette tapes. Right. It's like the one invention. That's the one thing he did. But that at the time, that was really cool. Like oh, that, no question. I, I'd love it's still to know a the really gap. cool. It's still a really cool invention. Still a really cool invention. I'd love to know the gap between that invention and then just CDs. I'm wondering what the shelf life was of that. How I want to say how long, we got how long, years. how long cassettes lasted. No, between that technology of being able to stop between oh, yeah. songs and then when CDs just came out. Uh, three years or so, maybe four. Because we had a high-speed dubbing existed for a while, but CDs were, they were just really expensive. For, they were, you know, CDs were sixteen ninety nine, and cassettes were like 7 to nine ninety nine. I used to go to the warehouse. That's the place I used to go to. Okay, so our Chris Rock, they, did Chris Rock issue an apology or just uh, Will Smith? both why yeah. did chris rock apologize and that's a great question for being a comedian i wish he didn't um but he seemed uh to have a, a huge pr m- machine behind the apology didn't really read like chris rock and the whole thing was why because you I, couldn't do that let me tell you about <laughs> can you oh let me tell you about look, so so let me read to me I, the apology go ahead i, 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 go so, ahead, I I am so opposite you guys on this. Like, she had a medical condition. I mean, so. But that, like, that's like, are you making a joke about someone who has cancer? 
No. We don't. It's a, it's a like, joke, dude. First no. of all, first of all, first yeah, of all. Yeah, but not for medical, all, not for something that she can't, like, it, again, if it was like a song or a bad movie or something like that, like it's, you know, but there's nothing that she can do about it. Like, that's, it's a bad joke. He okay. was making a joke about her haircut, not knowing that she had a medical condition. Correct, because he That's doesn't follow what, her on social media. I don't yes. follow her on social media. I didn't know. So is that what you have to do with, with every person? Like, if, like I mean, uh, obviously there's the famous uh, skit from um, Nutty Professor, right, where Dave Chappelle is the comedian, and he's making fun of Eddie Murphy's character, the professor, Professor Clump, because he's fat, right? Like that. Not knowing if Professor Clump has a medical condition is like over the top. I I mean, I I I, know. I, I, I just I don't know where where we, I and it just it's a medical condition. This if that was her you know chosen I, hairdo that that she did, or if it was something funky like that, then you know like a funky outfit or something. I get it, but there's nothing that she can do about it. And that's why I think hold on the line. Hold on, guys. You know the uh the screenshot that you sent yesterday, Dan? Uh with the Chris Rock apology? Yeah. I'm looking it up now. That it was, was an apology. That was a fake. Oh, that was, yeah, a, it was fake. a fake. That was, it was fake. A fake. So I, I stand corrected. Chris Rock has not issued an apology so now the world is good again because my whole thing was I understand the medical condition and everything else, but like a mutual apology is just taking the high road, and that's that's just boring. So I'm glad that Chris is is holding out a little bit. Will Smith issued the apology yesterday. Yeah, and he apologized personally to to Chris Rock, I guess, which leads us back to the why didn't he apologize to Chris Rock previously? Right, it yeah. took him however long to do it, which was just a, a PR move, right? Feels that way, does feel that way. Bayer, you want to say something? I could, I could sense. Well, you I just two in. wrongs don't make a right. Like I don't think Will Smith was right to go up there and slap. And if you're gonna, if you're gonna, let's do one or the other. Go up there, get in his ears, tell him don't say that about my wife. Make sure that the mic hears about it, or give Owen an apology, or hit him with a close fist. You know, one, one of those <laughs> things. Like it seemed, it seemed like it was like a, the slap was kind of like, but. Rock, I think Rock's wrong of the person. Rock was wrong with the personal attack, and Will Smith, albeit standing up for his wife in the way that it handled it, I don't think was the best way either. Do you do you agree that the, there are degrees of medical conditions that that yes. are off limits or, or yes. maybe don't go too hard on? And yes, I don't know enough about this medical condition. Is it alopecia? Is it a lot? She, is there a lot of suffering, or is it just hair loss, or both? Well, I mean, when you're a woman, you can't grow your hair, and she is a beautiful woman with beautiful natural hair. Her hair—I—I I, I don't know if I—I I was always in assumption her hair was natural. I don't—I don't know if it was or not. Whatever. I mean, I think it's a little different. You know, it just is. If she's like, self-conscious about it, I mean, I don't. Well, I don't know. She's posted about it. So, like, here's the thing: there's two sides to it. You, the side to it where he didn't know which is very possible, maybe even likely, or the side that he did know, and it's like, dude, she talks about it all the time. Like, what is the big deal? All I said was G.I. Jane. If you're a G.I. Jane you have a short haircut, then you're a badass. I just think she took it, and, and honestly, it felt like the culmination of, because there were three ladies up there previously, and they were messing with Jada Pinkett. 
And, I mean, she's been the butt of plenty of jokes on social media. I think it's the culmination of a bunch of things. I, I think the joke was fairly innocuous, to be honest with you. Nobody's really, even Jade is not really offended by somebody saying, hey, you got short hair because alopecia or no hair. So you stay, start, you, what are you, starring in G.I. Jane? Like, it's not crazy funny. It's a more of a knee slapper, but it's not super offensive. I don't think. Yes, Sam. Back in the day, maybe like Rodney Dangerfield would have, like in Caddyshack, would go up to a group and start kind of roasting them a little bit. We all thought that was funny. And today, I think Dan, you know, I think Dan's just saying that the joke was in poor taste. You know, Mr. Sunflower says this lady has a tiny spot of baldness, but she can grow almost a full head of hair. I have a medical condition called male pattern baldness. And oh, my God, I'm so sensitive. Help me, please. Right. If I have a hey, listen, you guys have seen me. My hair is nothing to brag about, right? Um, so is that is that a medical condition? <laughs> yeah, I mean LeBron's genetics. Oh boy, let's let's Here go to LeBron go. Uh, now. Um, yeah, people make fun. Listen, I I have never made. I don't think I made fun of LeBron. I got to make sure to say it. I I try not to make fun of LeBron because LeBron's clearly had the surgery and. It, for however much he's paid, it hasn't worked. Although his most recent foray where he's just like, you know what? I'm just going to get faded up, and however it looks, it looks it looks way better. It's much tighter. I don't understand. LeBron I, could shave his head fully, and no one would say I it. also yes, don't think ahead. that we need blanket rules on, on if you have hair or not. She was offended by it. In her case, she was offended by it. Now, maybe somebody else wouldn't have been, but that doesn't mean that then no one can be offended by it. I mean, if it hurt, but again, you can you can be offended. You can have your feelings hurt, and then go like, you know, I'll see him later and I'll tell him, you know. And that that, I I I thought that Will could have gone up there and said something to Chris Rock, where the mics would have picked it up, saying apologize to her or have done something else. But his actions were just, you know, the slap was just kind of just. The funny part was, I, I actually think the slap's sort of offensive. I kind of think the multiple F-bombs might be right there, right? Because they literally stopped the show, and it just got really, really uncomfortable. Where, had he just smacked him and just sat down there and given him the stink eye, at least you'd be like, well, maybe they're just playing, maybe they're friends. And Will just appeared to be a crazy person. Here's what I'll say, Dan. In, uh, In... reality with anybody else's wife significant other if they feel like uh they're embarrassed by what you say confronting somebody somebody over it obviously a, a fairly honorable thing to do the, the difference here on a is a bunch of things one will smith was laughing looks bad on him he was chuckling at the joke at first then he caught eyes with her secondly like there's a lot of other jokes that other comedians told that didn't bring him up out of his chair. Third, like there's been a lot worse things said on social media and they've made this kind of fairly public. So we've all said something to a significant other that we thought was going to be a joke and it didn't. And maybe as soon as it left your tongue, you were like, uh Oh, and I think that that is the case here. And then what I do in those situations is I say, I'm really sorry. Not like he can't take a joke because they were offended. That's what I say. I say, I'm sorry, my fault, my bad. Right, right. That That is, first, that you're a very evolved man. <laughs> very, very evolved man. But but 
Yes, what you're saying is it's two wrongs. I think what Jay Stu, you tell me if I'm wrong, we're saying is we don't find it nearly to that level of offense, but what you're saying is, and this is fair, it doesn't matter. It's not us that's offended. It's a woman with a medical condition, and I do think it's a little different when it's a woman and her hair. 